Hi guys, it's Jess. Welcome back or welcome for the first time to the Not Carrie Bradshaw podcast where I discuss all things style, wellness, pop culture, and whatever else comes up from week to week. Thank you for joining me. I am going to kick this episode off like I do all of the episodes all of the time or whatever with a fashion tip. So I am 35 grand glorious years old and at my age, I need all my drawers to come up over my stomach. I don't, don't give me a low rise or a mid rise pair of underwear unless it's like, you know, functional. I really enjoy full coverage draws and like my gynecologist who um, is a Russian woman and I'm very intimidated by her so I do literally everything she tells me and she has she is like staunchly against thongs right like she says like underwear or for the week so like when in doubt just go commando and I mean you know your vag better than I do so you know take that advice at your own risk but I said all that to say for the heavily asked among us I don't know about y'all but like Victoria's Secret does not do it for me I'm not a Victoria's Secret girl um she's not my girl so I love Soma they have these vanishing edge boy shorts that are amazing. So they have like around the seams, um, like at the thigh, they have this like sticky kind of almost like, like how strapless bras have that pointless sticky material that's supposed to like keep the strapless bra up, but it rarely does because why are strapless bras still not great? That's another conversation for another day. But I do have recommendations if y'all need that too. Let me know. Um, but these Soma Vanishing Edge underwear, they have this that that same sticky, like plastic, whatever you call it, around the thigh hole, and they just like hold you in place and it's full coverage. And like they are great for if you want to Mickey Mouse it around your house. Like I'm going to be real with y'all. Sometimes I Winnie the Pooh it. Sometimes I Mickey Mouse it. It just depends on how I'm feeling that day. But I love these boy shorts. Like, I wear them under slacks and no panty lines. They are so comfortable. I will put a link in this episode description if you want to explore the Soma Vanishing Edge draws. They have, like, don't get me wrong, they have, like, several different cuts like I think they have like a regular brief or bikini or whatever but I live and die for the boy short I hope that they expand the color collection because to be honest I just have like 20 pairs of them in black and like the closest thing I can get to nude so that's my fashion tip for the heavily asked among us I highly recommend those okay coming up this episode is just gonna be some rando topics because a couple of my favorite listeners said that they really enjoy when I just kind of rant about a couple of different things that I'm thinking about and that's what this episode is gonna be so stay tuned I'll be right back All right, kids, let's get right into it. These are just some things that I'm thinking about that I've been texting or messaging with my friends about. 
Because I'm like, I can't be the only one, um, first of all, who's been exposed to some of the psychoses that I just see living in New York. And um, also, I'm just a curious person. And I like to just dissect things about me, about the world, like whatever. So here goes. Um, at my big age, I really do not enjoy overhead lighting. I, it's too much. It's harsh. Like my apartment is dark so much or there, like I literally use natural sunlight until I cannot anymore. And I just, I don't know. And I'm, I've met a couple of other people like this. Most of them are gay men who really insist upon having a lighting concept everywhere they go. And like, I really vibe with that. I don't even think that it's an aesthetic thing. I just can't handle it. It feels like too much. It feels like the light is attacking me. Cal like, calm down, light. It's a bit much. Maybe that's a metaphor for something. I don't know, but I, I don't like it. So I shared this on my TikTok and my Instagram, but... I went into this year saying I want it to be a little bit more delusional. You need to be delusional in order to have faith, right? And in order to keep going, you need to be a little bit delusional. Sometimes it gets out of hand because I was minding my black ass business headed to work in the city because I am one of a handful of goofy bitches who has to work in office these days. And... I felt like the streets were really empty and it's just like that some days. Like there is a definite difference between commuting pre-pandemic and now. It's just not as many people even still. And so this was just one of those days, right? So I get to Fifth Avenue and I look to my right and my left and there is this bright pink carpet as far as the eye can see, down Fifth Avenue. And for 15 to 20 seconds, I thought it was for me. And I don't know why I would think that it was for me, because who am I? Um, but I was like, am I about to be on a TV show? Like, it was real main character syndrome. Like, I felt like it was for me, because pink is my favorite color. And why would there be carpet? Like how there's red carpet, this carpet was pink. And so once I snapped out of my disassociative delusional state, I just went to Google and was like, oh, so they did this really amazing promotion for the final season of Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which is a really good show on Amazon on Amazon Prime um, if you're new here or if you're not. I love a good period piece. And the costuming on Marvelous Mrs. Maisel alone is amazing. Um, it covers all things comedy and feminism and Jewish culture in New York City in the 50s. And it's just, I, I really, really like it. And so they had all these little installations all the way down um, Fifth Avenue starting at Saks. And they had like the window displays and everything. But I still thought that it was especially... For me, and I stand by that. So, forgive me if we've talked about this before, but during lockdown, especially like post George Floyd, there was this 
period on Twitter where people were really digging into the nuances of white supremacy and the many, many ways in which it informs so much of the difficulty of navigating the world as a black person, even if you're college educated, even if you do well for yourself. One of the most interesting, illuminating conversations that I saw regarding that on Twitter was this woman who I think was a linguist. And she was saying how corporate culture is based on WASP culture. And WASP culture prides itself on never confronting any serious issue head on. So how Black people culturally, generally, have a concept of real talk, there is no translation for that in WASP culture. So everything is passive aggressive everything is like coded language no one says anything on the nose no one confronts anything directly and if you don't know how to speak in that manner you seem uncouth and you seem um aggressive and you're just a huge weirdo to these people i always got a sense of that but the way that that person articulated it made so much like it crystallized a lot for me right so today I was in the office and I was chatting with someone and there was a really big confusion because someone said oh nice to see you as opposed to nice to meet you I did not know that it is common practice in these kinds of circles to say oh nice to see you when you can't remember whether or not you have met someone before. And that made me want to walk into the ocean because who has the time to come up with such a specific way to avoid such a... That's just not even a big deal. It's like you people don't have enough real problems that you came up with a way to avoid a situation that really isn't that serious. Like that's so non-consequential. And I was just like, fuck off. Like, honestly, just fuck off with that. Like the absolute refusal to address issues in a workplace that actually matter gets covered up with shit like that. And I was just like, I want to go home. I'm done for the day. Like, it exhausted me. I have a question. Are you supposed to tip when you pick up takeout? I do. I don't tip, like, obviously as much as if I sat down and had full service from a server. But if I just, like, slid through, to pick up my food. Am I supposed to tip? Let me know what you guys think on that. So I have started another Bell Hooks book. And I don't know if I told you guys about the first one that I started reading, The Will to Change. That book is so short, but it took me upwards of a year to read it because it was blowing my mind. And it was just about masculinity and, you know, how men are socialized to not feel so early in life. And it really helped humanize men for me um, because I've been so traumatized by men in my life that at a certain point I was just like, to hell with a lot of you. But, you know, this book really helped me to understand some things 
And so I moved on to another Bell Hooks book, and it's called All About Love. And I said, I'm going to read a chapter a day while I'm on my commute. Bitch, no. Bell Hooks is ruining me because she's telling me about the way we define love and that we should have a definition of love so that it's more easy for us to define healthy dynamics. And one of the things that she's made really clear is that abuse and love cannot coexist. And so your parents can provide for you and nurture you to a certain extent. But if there was verbal abuse in the home, that's not love. And I was just like, girl, you gonna have to elaborate. But here's what I can't handle the elaboration. So I'm really like reading this book very slowly and taking my time with it. Like just as a part of self care. It's like, oh, this shit need to come with a trigger warning. Um, Very good book. She's, you know, may she rest because what a just thoughtful and intentional person. And she makes me want to both be a better writer, but also never write anything again, because I don't know that I can write things that impact people the way this is impacting me. And maybe that's okay. So Black China. Okay. I liked Black China before she started talking and we didn't really know a whole lot about her. And she was just a really pretty girl who was a dancer in Miami. And she had a phenomenal blunt cut chunky bang and bone straight long weave and I may or may not have gotten my hair done like that for my 25th birthday. When Black China started to go mainstream shit got weird and at a certain point it was really cool that she infiltrated the Kardashians and it seemed like she was working to like bring them down from the inside out and it was like bitch I can't wait to see how this turns out. Shit got weird. Shit got weird. And shit hit peak weird when she wore that very avant-garde look to that award show. And I was like, oh, is everything okay in the home? Like, this this isn't just about fashion. This looks like what's happening here, right? Y'all know I'm very careful about how I critique people's fashions. So fast forward, like two weeks later, she starts talking about how she's on this journey to dissolve her fillers, remove some of her, like reverse some of the plastic surgery that she's gotten done. And it looked like she was on this path towards like healing, right? Um, Because if you have caught any glimpse of the reality show that she had with her mom, Tokyo Tony. It looks like Black China just was not raised in a proper nurturing home with like a secure base with her parents. She It just doesn't look like she got that. And it really looks like she needs to separate herself from her mom, to be honest. Like, it's really, it makes me really sad to see, um, those kinds of mother-daughter relationships. But it looked like she's on this, just this journey. And I was like, wow, she looks really good. And I'm, I'm happy for her. And I hope that the part of this journey includes like legit doing the work. I hope that it includes like therapy. Y'all know I'm just like a huge proponent of therapy. 
And suddenly something didn't feel right. I said, wait a minute, bitch. Because there wasn't this announcement that she's, you know, dissolving her fillers and, you know, um, kind of doing what a lot of the celebrities are doing where just once again, the trends are changing. It's no longer about that really pouty, full, weird, sexy baby face that some people were going for. And now it's about having what they're calling like Ozempic face. Just, you know, trends, whatever. But for for Black China, it looks like she was moving in a good direction aesthetically. But again, the the timing wasn't matching up for me. And I was like, I truly, truly hope that she's doing like the actual work. And I saw, I was noticing a pattern of like a couple of the IG hotties, like rapper girlfriends who have kind of fallen out of favor. I saw them kind of going on these, um, I guess, publicity runs where it looks like they're kind of denouncing the lifestyle and moving towards this more conservative version of womanhood. And that can be its own conversation, um, its own like podcast episode. I would really need to get someone on here who is more well versed in those kinds of like gender studies because it looks to me like yeah, I need to get someone who's more well-versed to really dissect that. But now it looks like Black China is just moving towards like an evangelical Christianity kind of thing. And that concerns me because I'm not, I think that you can find healing through religion, um, through church. Like that's where some people really get the answer to their prayers, pun intended. But I also think that when you have endured very specific trauma, you need a licensed, trained therapist to help you to heal. And I fully believe that therapy can work in conjunction with religion, but it gives me pause because I feel like the very thing that you're trying to escape in terms of the rampant misogyny and patriarchy in the hip-hop community, you're just replacing that with another form of a patriarchal structure by leaning really hard into evangelical Christianity. And you're either going to be exploited or you're going to start exploiting other people's desire to heal from their traumas. And that makes me really, really sad because no real healing or progress or evolution is being done in that process. And that's something that really probably needs to happen. Um, I'm hoping for the best for the girls. and. Yeah, we'll see what happens, but it's giving scam, right? But we'll see what happens. We'll hope for the best for the girls. Okay, so I I need to find a way to count the number of times I audibly yell just like, "Bruh," while commuting because 
I just can't understand why we can't follow basic common sense rules when commuting in New York. And one of one of my main frustrations is the lack of spatial awareness. If we are on a narrow street in Manhattan, I do not have time for you to be walking slowly while holding hands, okay? Like Larry David said, you can be happy, just not in front of me. You got to get out of my way. You have got to get out of my way. And I'm rarely in a rush, but I am one of those people who walks really fast. I think it's just something about my legs being very short. I take a lot of tiny steps or something. I can't, I, I cannot say it makes my head want to explode. And it's like, I don't want to be one of those people who moves to New York and is suddenly like, oh my God, everything's moving too slow. I feel like I have always been this way. I just don't like to walk behind slow people, which is also interesting because I am kind of a slow driver. But anyway, the other thing that pisses me off is like when people don't let people off of the subway before they try to get on infuriating infuriating like I just want to push people down when they like follow the rules it's the same thing with like the people who bought a a ticket on an airline like you bought a flight in the ass of the plane because we're all just doing our best air travel is expensive right but you know that you're in the ass of the plane most likely they're going to have to check your carry-on bag and I really cannot stand the people who feel like they should just like sneak their bag on the plane anyway. And then we're held up because there literally isn't anywhere to put your bag. You're not special. Just check your bag. Like follow, like there are some rules that really should be followed just for efficiency. And it frustrates me. We also need to discuss like the overuse of therapy speak. Everyone is not a narcissist. Um, everything isn't gaslighting. Uh, it's important that I I do think that we should be able to better recognize when something is afoot, but I think mislabeling things just leads to further miscommunication. And I think one of the, one of the main purposes of therapy is to be an effective communicator. And if you're just going to throw out therapy terms that don't apply at people, you're kind of defeating the purpose. So just don't, you know, Um, we have to learn how to describe our discomfort with situations without just like using words that we don't really know the meaning of. Because even like with my therapist, I can fully describe a person and she's very careful not to diagnose people that she hasn't met. You know, like she's, you know, said on a few occasions, like, I don't know this person. This does sound like some tendencies, but I can't diagnose anyone. But this is what I would do, like, you know, in relation to this, to this situation or, you know, like whatever. But I just think that we need to be careful with that. Um, I am really enjoying, is enjoying the right word? I'm suffering through the final season of Succession. Um, Succession should be labeled horror because the emotional abuse stresses me out in a way that I, it's hard to watch. Like, I can't watch it straight on. I have to, like, phone a friend while I'm watching it because it stresses me out so much. 
But Logan Roy said one of the most profound things that I've ever heard when he said, I love you, but you're not serious people. I feel that in my soul about so many people that I know where it's just like you, you're just, you're not a real or a serious person. Like be, be so fucking for real right now. Like I can't. Um, but one of the things that I love about when succession comes on is that there are all of these articles and conversations about quiet luxury. And I posted a really good video on my Instagram that I will link in this episode about what quiet luxury actually means and that it's just another way to kind of uphold white supremacy. I'm really going to try to get that creator on the podcast because they can they're an actual fashion historian and can break those things better break those things down better than I can. But what I want to say about the obsession with quiet luxury and wanting to be in the know and like wanting to be able to identify these like luxury items and like money whispers, like real wealth whispers and blah, 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 blah. I think that people look for ways to judge people so that they can know how to deal with them without having to actually get to know them. And these days when there are so many ways to access luxury items, whether you have a really good dupe or you are knee deep in credit card debt, whatever. It's not that easy anymore to spot who has what. And I think even to be obsessed with trying to figure out who has real wealth says something about you and the way you navigate the world because why do you need or want to know that? And I feel like it's because you want to know how to treat people when it would just be easier to treat everyone with some semblance of kindness, whether they have a lot of shit or not, whether they're really wealthy or not. It's like how people don't want to treat women who dress a certain way with respect because they want to assume a lot of different or project a lot of different ideas about the kind of woman you might be based on what you're wearing and they want to know whether or not they have to treat you as a woman they respect as opposed to just having respect for people in general. And I think that looking for these clues of like, oh, well, what kind of handbag? Oh, well, actual wealthy people wear these like $500 t-shirts and blah, 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 blah. Why does it matter? Are you going to treat that person any differently? Like knowing that their t-shirt is a silk cotton blend? Like, why does it matter? Why are you obsessed with that? And I think it really goes back to this belief that profits over everything, that if it makes money, it makes sense. And people will turn a blind eye to really poor behavior from other people if those people make money. Well, they must be doing something right because they got money, because they rich. And it's like, if that's all you value, then you are not a serious person. Like you are not a real person. Like I don't know how to connect with people like that. I don't know how to connect with people who are obsessed with wealth. Do not get me wrong. I really like nice things. I really enjoy like 
a five-star dining experience. I love really nice hotels. I want to make travel more of a priority. Like, I enjoy nice things. But it's not the totality of my personality. And I don't try to actively shit on people who don't prioritize those things in the way I prioritize those things. Even if I quietly think that your outfit is an absolute train wreck, it doesn't mean that you are a person who isn't worthy of kindness or respect. So just, I guess, ask yourself why you give a shit about this like very bland color palette. Why does that matter to you? Like, it's just something to interrogate, something to think about. Um, let me tell y'all like something that I'm really fucking fed up with in my office. I feel like there is like this performative diet culture that happens and I could be being like insensitive or like whatever, but there is something really annoying and weird to me about making an egg at work. It just feels performative. I'm sorry, y'all. I know it's judgy and that is not what we're about over here on Not Curious Bradshaw Podcast, okay? We are about curiosity over conviction and we do not judge, but why are you making an egg at work? Like the egg and the avocado toast and preparing the crushed red pepper and preparing like a little crudite for like your midday snack. And then when we have birthdays, oh my gosh, like, should I go get an extra cupcake? I just feel like I shouldn't. Babe, don't ever ask me if you should go get another cupcake, another cookie, another slice, another whatever. I'm always going to tell you yes. I will never talk you out of eating ever. I love to eat. This ass didn't get this way on its own, babe. Like, go, like, take your disordered eating somewhere else before you trigger mine. Like, fuck off. I just, no, no. Make your exit home like a normal person. I'm fed up. Okay. On a lighter note, here are some things that I'm enjoying. I have found three new British crime procedurals that I'm obsessed with. One, Young Wallander, which is actually Swedish, but it came on the British station and they're speaking in English, even though it's Swedish. And that doesn't actually make sense, but it helps my lazy ass to not have to read subtitles. And so I really, really love a good British or maybe I should just say European, but mostly British crime procedural. So that's one, Young Wallander, over on Netflix. The other one is called Endeavor. Oh my gosh, it's on Amazon Prime. Um, how many seasons? I want to say it's like eight seasons. But the thing about British shows is that their seasons are pretty short. Like, I feel like a season of CSI is probably like 3,000 episodes. But British episodes, like, it's only about like five per season or something like that. But they're like an hour and a half long. So they're really, really good. But um, the third one is called Grantchester. And the premise is ridiculous. It's a hot priest who partners with a hard-boiled detective 
okay, in a small town. And let me tell you one of the things that I love the most about British crime procedurals. At least three to four more people in these tiny little towns die before they find the original killer. And it's like, y'all, these towns are not big enough for y'all to be experiencing these many murders. It's ridiculous, but it's just so warm and cozy. And it's so nice to just kind of lose yourself in these like period piece police procedurals. Now, Young Wallander is modern, but the other two are based in like the 50s and 60s. And it's really interesting. I mean, it's modern day actors, but it's a period piece. It's really interesting to see how they navigated conversations around um, homosexuality, race, um, immigration, xenophobia, all these things in the 50s and 60s. And, you know, during this time that it was kind of this like social revolution and just seeing how those things played out in a different country, even again, though it's a time, a, a period piece. I really love it. Um, it's, it's bringing me a lot of joy. I have, finished yeah I finished Young Wallander and I finished Endeavor and I am now just like balls deep in um Grantchester um the other thing is Rihanna's new red lipstick that thing is bringing me so much joy because it's matte but the formula is so smooth that's one of the reasons why I abandoned Ruby Woo I felt like Ruby Woo was drying out my soul I felt like it was taking out my soul like you couldn't rub your lips together at a certain point. But when they call this the like the Rihanna, um, it's like velvet matte or something like that. Aptly named. It's a really I can't even describe it. I highly recommend trying it out. It's a bit pricey, but I highly recommend it. It's a really true blue red, which I as a brown girl absolutely love. I don't think orange reds look very good on me. Um, so that's bringing me a lot of joy. And then lastly, y'all, I found turnip greens in Brooklyn. They have had kale. They have had collards. They have on occasion had mustard greens, but I had not seen turnip greens in New York in all my days until this past weekend. And the joy I felt at just like leaning into my identity as an older black queen and putting on my meat and running some errands, you know, cause you have to have smoke neck bones. You know, I'm a girl who loves pork. Um, and making a pot of greens, like this is who I am. And I love that for me, like just a gorgeous, gorgeous girl who on occasion needs a pot of turnip greens mixed with mustard greens seasoned with smoked neck bones. Ugh. And to answer whoever asked that question on Twitter, yes, Black American people, well, at least in my Black American household, baby, of course, we had oxtail. We had oxtail and we had neck bones. Like, what is you saying? I didn't even know the difference for an embarrassingly long time in my life, but we won't talk about that. So those are the things bothering me and the things bringing me joy and the things that are making me go, huh. And, um... If you care to listen to all that, thank you. Thank you for sticking around. I'm still waiting to hear back about the podcast competition for the um, 
American Black Film Festival. I think they're announcing the finalists in May. So keep your fingers crossed and prayers up for a real nigga. And I will talk to you guys soon. Thank you for joining me. Be sure to rate and review and like and comment and share and subscribe and do all of those call to action things that I'm supposed to remind you to do so that I can call myself a good creator. Right? Right? All right. Bye.